Hi, this is Chuck Wolf, and you're listening to the Emotion Roadmap. Take the wheel and control how you feel. And this is January 2021. So if you're listening to this, that means you made it. <laughs> and, uh, and you're celebrating uh, to some degree that uh, 2020 is in our rear view mirrors and is behind us now. Uh, but it was a year of consequence. It was a year of challenge. It was a year of uncertainty. And, uh, and much of what happened in 2020 continues with us into 2021. Let's all hope it's going to be a much better year. Uh, in today's show, uh, broadcast on WPKN 89.5 FM, listener-supported radio in Bridgeport, Connecticut, you will hear some information from me about the idea of what emotional intelligence can do for you. You will hear from some people that I talk with who I was able to help by sharing how the emotion roadmap can help make you more in control of your own emotions and how you can influence the emotions of others. One is a recording that I did several years ago, but it has to do with a man who called me named Michael, who was in the process of having to think about what to do next when his business was failing. Now, I know so many people have lost their businesses or in the process of just surviving or barely able to keep their businesses afloat. And I know that that struggle, which happens every year to lots of people in business, but has happened to so many more people due to the lockdowns in response to trying to control the COVID-19 pandemic that's been with us since March of last year. So many people have lost their businesses. I want to encourage you by listening to the tape with Michael to think about how I was able to help him. How I was able to help him think about all that he has learned, all that he has learned over the years about how to start and run and successfully manage and lead a business and how that knowledge doesn't leave you just because you had to shut down and you had to close your business that you had worked so hard to build. Now, I realize as people age, they don't have quite the same energy, but hopefully you have a lot more knowledge and a lot more wisdom. And so perhaps you can take those skills and use them to influence how you're feeling about getting back up again. You know, so often we think about how we're defined isn't about being knocked down in life, but it's what we do after we've been knocked down, how we get back up, how we face the day when we've been punched in the gut, hit in the face, just really punished by circumstances, some of which we may have controlled, others we could knew nothing about, had nothing to do with our inabilities or our own personal foibles, just something that happened in the world that impacted us and we had to deal with. So how do you get back up? How do you turn things around? So let me tell you about a couple of things I think that will be of interest to you. One is in on January 11th, Harvard alumni in Connecticut, but is really uh, is sponsoring a show. I'm helping to organize a panel of people who are some of the best thinkers in the world, the uh, best researchers, the best practitioners in the world. 
in the field of emotional intelligence. I'm privy to be associated with, the group, with this group of people that I've gotten to know through what's called the Consortium for Research on Emotional Intelligence in Organizations. So the founder of that group was Dan Goleman, whose name many of you will probably know. And the other person who actually runs the group and co-started it with Dan is a fellow named Carrie Chernus. Now Carrie, it was the psychology chairperson for Rutgers University. He's now emeritus. He's a professor who's still works there, but is retired essentially. And, uh, and he runs this consortium. Carrie's gonna be one of the panel members. He is one of the more knowledgeable people about all the work going on around the world in emotional intelligence. He's also written a really interesting book called Leading with Feeling. And he'll be talking about that on the panel on January 11th at 7 p.m. Now this panel is virtual, so you can access it via your computers or your smartphones uh, or your tablets. And you can also um, uh, tune in by phone just to listen. But one of the things that I'd say is I encourage you if you can to get in front of a computer screen because it's gonna be, um, it'll be live then on January 11th. And it'll be with Carrie, who again has written this book on leading with feeling, where he's interviewed all kinds of leaders about how they've used emotional intelligence in the workplace. And they'll have Richard Boyatzis, who is uh, someone, and I'm gonna talk a little bit about something he'll talk more about on January 11th, but I do wanna talk a bit about it today as well. He's written a book on helping people change, helping people with change. And he's, he's got this idea about coaching with compassion instead of coaching for compliance. And um, I wanna talk about that in relation to New Year's resolutions in just a, a few minutes. But Richard was also really well known for his work many years ago on the competent manager. All of those of you that may have worked in a big company or work for big companies now, you've probably been exposed to this idea that there are general competencies that impact performance, things like strategic thinking, decision-making, leadership, management, human resource management, teamwork, business knowledge, financial acumen. There, there are certain competencies that sort of go with the territory if you're gonna lead and work and own and run a business. And Richard's early work on the competencies is really fundamental to many companies work today. He was the originator of that work a number of years ago. Richard will be on, and he also had worked closely with Dan Goleman in developing the emotional and social competency inventory, which is a way of assessing people's emotional and social competencies. So Richard will be joining us, and then Helen Reese. And Helen is this delightful woman who I got to know again through this consortium, where Helen is probably the most knowledgeable person in the world today about empathy. She's actually written a book, she's given a TED talk and she's created her own company and she runs a program at Mass General Hospital where she works as a psychiatrist. And she also is on the faculty at Harvard Medical School where she teaches um, about psychiatry and about empathy. And Helen's work on empathy is unique. She's actually going to tell us about the work that she's done training people in healthcare, healthcare providers to be more empathetic and the actual outcomes on patients. They've actually improved patient outcomes when doctors and nurses and other healthcare professionals are taught more about how to be empathetic. And she's gonna share that with you. It's also expanded to law enforcement and financial services. So Helen's, Helen's a busy, busy person these days, but she's, uh, she's delighted to be part of our panel. So 
the three of them, myself, I'm going to talk about the Emotion Roadmap. For those of you who listen regularly to my show, you'll know that uh, the Emotion Roadmap is one of those application tools so that when you are actually trying to influence others' feelings, others' emotions, others' perspectives, others' decisions, when you are also trying to control and regulate and manage your own emotions, that part of that, part of that really happens based on your abilities to understand what's going on emotionally inside of you or inside others. What will motivate you to possibly change from feelings that perhaps are not helpful to ones that are more ideal. And the Emotion Roadmap is a real impactful tool that actually can teach you that. And that's what you've been learning, hopefully, over the years I've been doing this. I also want to just mention that this is, this is my 12th year doing this show. My anniversary is December. I decided I, I started in December. And December 1999 was actually the first, first month that I got on the radio. And uh, those of you that listen to those early shows know that I've come to do these a little bit better <laughs> these days. I've learned a lot. And I hopefully have found ways to communicate with you that resonate with you, that matter to you, where you've learned something about managing your own emotions over the years that you've been listening. Where you've learned that, the, that smart people get stuck. Good critical thinkers get stuck. Excellent problem solvers get stuck when emotions are in play. In my experience, smart people often, when they're really uncertain how to proceed, they're confounded about what choice to make, about how to move ahead, worried about escalation, when they're really stuck and just uncertain about moving forward. It's almost always because some emotion is in play, something inside them, some emotion that they're struggling to deal with, or some emotion from another person that's key to what they're trying to get done. They're worried about that emotion and that person. And they're really unsure how to proceed. And what I have discovered is that if I can help you, and if you, in listening to me, can help others to focus on the emotions that are in play and ask people to talk about how are you feeling about whatever situation you're trying to achieve, to get done, to move forward on, how are you feeling? And if Anyone else is key. No, sometimes there's no other people that are key. It's just something inside yourself. But often it's with somebody else. So if anyone else is key, what is he or she or they feeling? And then what would be ideal to feel? And how do you get from what is, what you are feeling, to what would be ideal to feel? Now, there's a lot in trying to answer those questions that I hope you've learned over the years. Oh, if you're new to the show, that you'll stay with me and you'll listen to me when I'm on, typically on, on Wednesdays from 12 to 1 p.m. noontime, Eastern time in Bridgeport, Connecticut, the first and second Wednesdays of each month. You also might be watching me on YouTube. That could be at any time. You also might be watching me on Sensbury TV. Uh, that's regularly run monthly. Uh, but you have to, if you want to see me, you can look up emotionroadmap.com and you can see my website and you can see ways to see me from there. Or you can go to YouTube and type in Emotion Roadmap. Or you can go to um, the public radio exchange since I'm on a, 
public radio station, a community radio station, you can listen to me on the public radio exchange or on SoundCloud or iTunes. You can find me lots of different ways. But I wanna to talk to you a little bit about what it means to have an anniversary. Because my goal for the show when I started 12 years ago was to have people learn what I've learned, to try and give away the skills that I have in the sense that I want you to understand when something emotional is happening inside of you and you're struggling to figure out how to deal with it, I want you to understand how you can be better at managing those emotions, how you can be more helpful to change emotions when the emotions you're feeling aren't what you wanna feel. I want you to understand what you can do to make life better for you and for those you care about or for those you are dealing with by learning about managing emotions, your own and your ability to influence others' emotions. That's so powerful in our world. It's so important. And I wanna, I wanna give you today, again, I wanna show you, not just talk about what I wanna show you with a couple of examples. I have this young man, Michael, I mentioned in the very beginning, who actually had a business that was failing and he called my show in hopes that I could somehow help him deal with the emotions he was experiencing. And by the end of your, that phone conversation, it's about 12 minutes long, is you'll hear Michael feeling um, different. When he starts the call, he sounds okay. And then you can hear he's feeling pretty helpless. But by the end of the phone call, he's feeling hopeful. And that's what the emotion roadmap can do for you. It can take you from feeling helpless to hopeful by what you think about as you try to address the emotions that are happening inside of you or in someone else that you're trying to help, or someone else that you have to deal with, who is part of whatever it is, is part of the plan that you have to achieve a certain objective or goal. Okay, so that's what we'll be talking about. So again, another interesting opportunity for you to learn and to experience, not just what I have to say, but Helen Reese, Carrie Turnus and Richard Boyatzis, three of the great thinkers in the field of emotional intelligence, will join with me for a Harvard alumni presentation of a panel discussion of why interest in emotional intelligence is soaring. I'm part of a panel discussion, or panel, I'm part of a Facebook group, actually, I joined recently, just called Emotional Intelligence. You can join it too, I believe. You just sign on and put your name in if you're on, if you have a Facebook account and you can put your name in and type in emotional intelligence for groups. And it's interesting, it's not professionals, it's people like anyone who might be listening today who just has some questions about dealing with their emotions. And you can imagine they run the gamut of, I'm really depressed, how do I get over it? Um, you know, when you're dealing with grief, what are some, what are some helpful ways that you might get through it? Uh, our, our questions, and this question I thought was really interesting the other day. It's like, so if I learn more about emotional intelligence, how will that impact my life? It's like, why is, why is it important to learn about emotional intelligence? And I thought, you know, that's a great question. How will it be more important? And so I, in my own mind, I, I, again, I'm part of this, not as an expert, I just want, just a human being, with a lot of knowledge about the field. And I wrote, um, I think if you get more intelligent about emotional intelligence or you get better at it, um, you'll be better at decision-making. You'll be better at performance. You'll be better at relationships. You'll be better at life. You'll be better at so many things. I mean, so much of what we do every day is impacted by our emotions. 
what if we were better at it? What could we learn? How could we learn to be better at it? And that's obviously what my show's about, right? So having said that, I'd like to engage you with a couple of other things by other people. One is the story about Michael and his business, because I think for all of those of you who have struggled with your businesses, and I know there's so many listeners who are small business owners or work in small businesses, but really even in large companies where you've had so many struggles, I think what you'll hear from Michael is gonna be useful to everybody. But how do you move forward? If you've been laid off from your business, lost your job, lots of people have had to you know, go on, on unemployment because of what's happened. And, and, and because of so many companies having to lay people off, there's people in circumstances today that they never envisioned for themselves. First time ever in food lines, for instance. I mean, there's so many things that have challenged so many on so many levels. Yet at the same time, there's this sense of wanting to be grateful and how that impacts us. Because when we're trying to change our emotions, we can dwell on the negative. And there's so much negative that it's easy to stay there and be very depressed about what's happened. I mean, in my own circumstance, in recent times, I know one of my nephews, um, his father just passed away. He had cancer, so it was gonna happen anyway, but he got COVID and it went earlier than expected. And that was really sad. Someone else close in my family just contracted COVID. Um, I'm sure you all have stories, similar stories, and where you've either lost loved ones or you know people that have been impacted by the disease. And so there's a lot of sadness, legitimate sadness that you just experience and you deal with as time allows, you move forward from it. But the other thing that you wanna think about is sometimes sadness is an appropriate response as I suggested, but at the same time there's, that there's sadness, there's a lot of gratitude and feelings of gratitude change the chemical, the chemistry inside your body and produce a different kind of feeling that helps you to feel alive and to feel motivated and thankful. So there's gratitude for those people who have done so much for us while many of us were able to stay home and work virtually, for instance. There are others who had to go into stores. There are the healthcare providers, the frontline workers that had to deal with COVID, trans transporting COVID patients via, you know, uh, however way they might have transported them, you know, emergency vehicles of some kind. But those people that had to be out there in contact with people that um, were diseased, were, were putting themselves in high risk situations and did it because they, that's their business. That's what they signed on for. And we are all, I believe, extremely thankful to all of you that have done that kind of work. But for the grocery store workers, the people that work in the pharmacies, the people that work in the, in the big box stores that are able to stay open so that we could get the supplies and the resources that we needed so that we could live somehow inside our homes without having to be in touch or close with other people so that we could maintain some level of safety re regarding this virus and how contagious it has been and how devastating the losses have been. So I wanna thank those people and we can be thankful at the same time recognizing how sad it's been for so many of us. And we can thank those of us who have had some blessings about how we've been able to deal from our homes and have stayed safe and healthy. And at the same time, be sorrowful for those who have the, don't have those circumstances. And maybe in our own ways, we've given to charities, to food banks, whatever, wherever you can, wherever you can help out in ways that perhaps you can give your time 
Perhaps you can give some money. Perhaps you can give your expertise. It depends on who you are and, and what you feel comfortable doing. But all the giving that we do, all the gratitude that we feel changes the feelings that we have and make us feel better about these long days that we might be experiencing, waiting for this virus to become part of the norm so that we can coexist with it in ways that we coexist with cancer and heart disease and all the other things that hurt us at some point in some ways. So there's that sense of thankfulness I'd, I'd like you to think about too today. So as we move forward, I wanna talk before I jump to sharing some stories with you and some, some other, um, other people's voices, I, I do wanna tell you a little bit about this, what Richard Boyatzis had talked about about uh, in this book, Helping People Change. Uh, I wanna say that Richard's concept of coaching for compassion or with compassion versus coaching for compliance is really interesting because when you make a New Year's resolution, think about that. Think about any New Year's resolutions that you may have made in the past. Most of us in my experience don't necessarily keep those resolutions and partly why we don't keep them, I think has something to do with what Richard's book is about. Richard's book and concept of coaching with compassion versus coaching for compliance works like this. Coaching for compliance is when we know there's a behavior that needs to change. Whether we're coaching somebody else, I, I do a lot of leadership coaching. And so when I'm trying to help somebody else, uh, I, I'm often there because there's some problems that person is having that they don't seem to be able to resolve on their own. And because they're problems and they've been identified as problems, we're somewhat coaching for compliance. They need to change in order to be effective or they need to change in order even to stay. Some people's problems are so impactful that as good as they might be at their jobs, their behavior is such that they can't really stay in that organization. People have decided if you continue to do what you're doing behavior-wise, as good as you are, as smart as you are, we can't keep you because nobody wants to work with you, Frank, is an example. So that's coaching for compliance, right? That's trying to change something because it doesn't work where you are. But when we're trying to change our own behaviors, let's say, you know, we overindulge in one of many things, right? We overeat, we overdrink, we take too many drugs, we, uh, we overwork. Uh, so uh, we overexercise. <laughs> I mean, there's many places where we can over something. And, and, and when we're trying to change behaviors that we know are problematic, again, we're coaching for compliance, even with ourselves. Now, what's Richard Boyatzis talking about when he says coaching with compassion? Coaching with compassion is this idea of, can you take a look at yourself in the future? And can you look into the future and see the best possible version of you? The best possible version of you that's out there. Can you see that? And if you can see that, if you can see you in the future, what are you doing? What's different? What are the behaviors that you're doing differently than today? And as you view yourself in the future, this best possible version of you, Richard has this idea of an intentional change theory. When, when you have a compelling vision of something, in this case, you, in the future, compelling, exciting, exemplary, um, and you look at yourself and you say, that's who I want to be. 
five years out, 10 years out, three years out, next year. As you look at that person in the future, as you look at yourself in the future as the best possible version of you, what's different? And what's curious is that the things that we were talking about in terms of compliance, you're overeating, over whatever, they aren't part of that new best version of you, are they? Probably not. And so as you look at yourself in the future with this vision of who you want to become, you now have a compelling vision drawing you forward that says to you, I don't want to do this behavior anymore because I can't be me in the future with this behavior. Now, it sounds the same. We're still saying we're going to change that behavior because it's wrong, but we're not changing that behavior because it's wrong today just because today I don't want to do this today. And I don't want to do it tomorrow. And I'm usually good for about 15 days in the new year where I don't do those things that are problematic. By day 16 or 17 or day 30, I'm thinking, you know what? Wouldn't be so bad if I had a few extra snacks tonight or a couple extra drinks at the bar before I go home. I mean, does that not sound familiar to some of you? So as you're thinking about things that you want to change, think about them in terms of you in the future. Think about it in terms of who you want to be. What's the best version of you out there? And as you think about that, consider this idea that that best version of you in the future needs to start today. You need to start doing some stuff today that's different so you can get to be that version of yourself that you'd really like to see, that you'd love to see that you want others to see when they think about you. Some people like to do a legacy exercise where you write down, what do you want people to say about me at the end of my life? What do, what do I want people to say? I, you know, one of the curious things and funny things to say to people in leadership when you're coaching them is, you know, there aren't too many people on their deathbeds that are saying, you know what, I wish I spent more time at the office. <laughs> right? Most people say, you know what, I missed out on my kid's birthday. I didn't get to go to that soccer game. You know, we didn't take that vacation we kept talking about. There was always something I felt like I had to do instead. When you think about yourself in the future, when you think about what you say, not how you act, but what you say is most important to you. When do you start behaving like it's most important to you? When does that change happen? Maybe it's this year. I hope so. I wish you luck with whatever goals you have for, for the new year and going forward. So I am going to play Michael, and if I have time later, I'd like to play Emily. Emily's a young woman that I worked with recently, and uh, she took a new job, and she talks about her new job, and I'll share it with you when we, if we have time for it today. So that's what we're going to move forward with. Okay, I'm going to stop right here, and I'm going to play that for you. Hello, this is Chuck Wolf. You're on the air. Yes, how are you doing today? I'm fine, thank you. Who, who's calling? Uh, Michael. Michael, how are you? I'm well. I, well, I should say I, I'm, I'm talking to you about uh, my situation, and uh, be wonderful if I could uh, get your insight on this. Be happy to, uh, Michael. What's going on? I've been employed, self-employed for 30 years. Uh, end of this year, my business and, and certain clients are going to be gone, going to affect everything about my life, trying to 
think about this and get by it and, and think about what can I do, a complete career change at middle age, um, my goodness, is it overwhelming. And you talk about an emotional roadmap there. It's all over the place. Sure. I, I guess one of the ways of helping you think that through, because obviously, Michael, there's a lot to your story about your business, how you started your business, um, the, you know, the time you spent, why the client's leaving, and all that matters. But the, the focus for our show and what might be most helpful to you is to simply ask you about can you describe the key feelings you think are that are happening for you and for your family, because it isn't just you that matters in this. It's also anything that's going on with the key loved ones that you have. So can you talk a little bit about the feelings that you're having right now and how someone at home might be feeling? Um, well, my feelings right now are generally uh, there's anxiety all the time. Um, uh, I'm up and down more than I'd like to be, and everything that I'm feeling is pretty much transferred to all the other family members. So they're going through this, and they may actually be going through this in a heightened state from where I am simply because I'm all over the place, and they're looking at it as, wow, what's, what's going on here, and where's his focus? What's he trying to do to correct the situation? Um, so it, it's been a very interesting uh, cycle here. So the the biggest and most powerful feeling is this this anxiousness that you're feeling. It, it's basically, I would say, almost floating because I can't grasp onto anything at this point. So I'm, in essence, feeling um, almost out of control. And yes, there are alternatives. There are many things that can be done, um, and, and I've looked at those. It's also being able to take that first step, which sounds crazy, but that has been probably one of the biggest things of anxiety. So overwhelmed is another big feeling that you're feeling right now, overwhelmed, anxious, out of control, those to kind of capture it? Exactly. So the next part of this roadmap is what do you think would be ideal to feel? I mean, if magically you could somehow feel the way you wanted to feel, what would it be? Exactly what your show's about. Being, being in, not necessarily being 100% in control, but steering the, the, the rudder of the ship to where I'm comfortable and, and I, I have the ability to see a port in front of me versus now seeing a stormy ocean, if that makes sense to you. Oh, sure it does. Um, and so it seems like the feelings you'd want to have now are this idea of hope I was just talking about. You know, this, ho this hope in the sense that you have the confidence in your own capabilities to be successful again, whether it's through your own business or in some other way. You, you know, if, if it was at all possible to feel ideally that you had this sense of hope, this sense of confidence in you, 
because there's something called emotional contagion, which is when you're showing up at home and you're feeling this huge anxiety and the expressions are clear that you're feeling out of control and unable to navigate, you don't feel like you have a rudder and everybody feels the storm around you, then inside that household, it feels like we're all caught up in, in, this, in these wild waves, sort of what's happening down in, in the Gulf Coast right now, this idea of being just, you know, scared by fear because so much is surrounding us that's unknown and uncertain and it's unclear where we're going. But if, if ideally, Michael, you could feel confident and hopeful that somehow you had that clear first step picked out, that would be where you'd want to go, I think. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and I think part of this whole process, and, and it's taking me a long time and looking at it and just listening to you, is it's just being empathetic to what everybody else is feeling. Because when a situation gets like this, and I can only speak for myself, many times... Uh, I'm so I'm put into the forefront in my own forethought all the time, and and I do realize that wow, I do have a family involved. I do have many others involved, and it it, it really does create um, a turmoil. That as you said, by trying to feel confident here and and reflecting on what I've done in the past. Uh, as far as being able to build something and make something out of something, that does make me feel better. So I appreciate it. One of the things to think about, Michael, and I think this is true for anyone listening that's got anything that might sound similar, is, you know, have you ever faced uncertainty before? Have you ever been in a place where you didn't have something that was working, but you were clever enough, you were smart enough, you had enough energy, enough passion, enough drive, the right attitude, the right work ethic, that you put all that mixed together and that you were successful. Can you think of anything in the past when you first started your business? Wasn't that what was happening? Oh, absolutely. I, I you know, started with nothing and basically knocked on doors. And, you know, it was not an easy road, but, you know, I was convinced that something would happen. Now, my guess is you're a little older, so you may not have quite as much energy, but you're also a number of years wiser. And so you may not have to do it exactly the same way, but why would you not believe in yourself that you're still capable of doing something that you were able to do when you were younger and not so smart? Absolutely. I, I, I think a, a lot of it, and... It's not just me. It's talking with others. Uh, when people seem to be in, myself in this situation, you tend to lose uh, uh, your self-confidence and sometimes your beliefs in what you've accomplished. And, and uh, you know, if I step back and look at my accomplishments, um, I'm pretty amazed at what I've been able to do starting from basically nothing. Um, and that's probably where I need to reflect on when I'm feeling those times of, you know, just boss. Once you you accept that not only are you the same person that started off with nothing and built something, but that you're a smarter person, and you also have the same capabilities that are enhanced, once you start to feel that hope and that confidence, then you're going to be bringing that home with you, Michael, and then the 
and then the people in your family are going to feel it too. When times are tough, it isn't, uh, we don't expect life to be easy, but we expect to be able to rise to the challenge. And we expect that some challenges are going to be far more difficult and far more, um, you know, capable of generating fear in us and even terror at some point. And yet, if we can reflect back on where we felt in the past, we've been on a similar path, a similar roadway, and we've been able to navigate into a place that works. Now, one of the things that happens over a period of time is that it took a long time, I'm sure, to build a business successfully than what you had before. And, and you, may, you may even choose to go a different way, but the point that you want to reflect on is how capable you've been and that you'll be capable again in other ways. And that when you generate that at home, you also want to share with the people at home, you know, the lifestyle's got to change, folks. But then you start to think about, well, what do we really need? I mean, what do we really need in our lives? And, and part of that is understanding, you know, you got food on the table and a roof over your head. Maybe that's all there is for a while, but that's enough. Absolutely. I, I think that we have sat down as a family and even the children are cognizant of of not not necessarily the severity of the situation, but of that. And, yeah, I think part of the, the, the times right now is evaluating where you've been and what's necessary to move forward and down to necessity, but we also realize, you know, you have to hunker down in the storm. And, you know, hopefully there will come another time and opportunity when we're able to um, move beyond this. But right now, yes, I, I agree with you 100%. That's what we're doing now. So what you want to convince yourself of, and when you start to convince yourself and you start to believe in yourself again, and hopefully maybe this conversation is that first step. You know, you made the call, you're thinking about things a little differently, it sounds like, and you start believing, and you know what? There's no reason I can't do what I did before, maybe in a different way, and i got to be smart about what I do because the situation and circumstance aren't the same, but I'm, I know what it takes to create and run and develop and maintain a business. And some things went a different direction, given where I am with what happened. But that doesn't mean I can't do this again. And when you start to feel that positive affect and it starts to take hold of you, honestly, I believe, Michael, things start to change for the better. I, I, I'm a firm believer. I, I mean, and, and it's funny because I believe positive attracts positive. Um, exactly. It, 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 what it boils down to for me, and I, you know, I, speaking for myself always, is being able, when those enlightened moments come, is be able to hang on to them for a longer period of time so it actually is settling in. Well, Michael, I, you know, is there, uh, does, does it feel like you've got a little bit better uh, focus on where you're going next, and was this helpful, I hope? Oh, absolutely. I'm going to go and write a list of, of all of my positives and look at that and just say, wow, and try and move forward from there. Well, I wish you much luck. And, you know, along the journey, if you need some reinforcement, give us a call back. Let us know how it's going, and maybe we can be helpful again. You've been very helpful. Thank you for your time. You bet. Thank you. Well, you just listened to Michael. And Michael's story is a story for all those of you who have struggled with your businesses in the past year and are struggling to think about what to do next. I'd like you to think like Michael was thinking at the end of the phone call about all that you know how to do, all that you've learned in the years that you've successfully run a business and how to translate that going forward, 
to what's going to happen when we figured out how to deal with this virus and any other challenge that might impact us in future years. We want to know what we know. We want to be grateful for what we've learned and we want to understand how to use our experience and our knowledge as we age so that we become wise in our later years. We won't have the same energy, but we have a lot more wisdom, hopefully, after we've been through a number of experiences where we've learned some things that will serve us well in the present and in the future. So hopefully from the lessons from Michael, you can take lessons for your own circumstance. And if you know someone that perhaps needs to hear this, uh, again, this will be probably on YouTube at a later point, and you can suggest that they go to the Emotion Roadmap on YouTube and look for this broadcast. It'll be labeled the New Year's program. And again, it is New Year's, so I wish you all much success as you think about the best possible version of yourselves and how to take hold of the reins and guide your next few steps in the next couple of days and in the months ahead so that the changes you wish to make are in alignment with your view of this best version of you that's out there in the future waiting to meet you, waiting to greet you, waiting to get to see you in action. So all these things that you say you care about, that you say you value, when you look back at your recent experience and your experience over the last several years, you probably live in some of them and not all of them. So maybe it's time for you to take stock and to think about what you can be doing to make life better for you and for all those around you who get the wonderful opportunity to be with you regularly. Make that as an enjoyable as an experience as is possible for you and for them. I know one of the things that have struck me over the time that we've quarantined, isolated, worn masks, kept our distance, haven't seen lots of folks, that the people we do see, we see a lot of typically. And hopefully we've learned to appreciate each other even more. Perhaps it's gone the other way for some of you. And, and you want to remember and rekindle all the reasons why you're with the people that you're with. And all the love that's been there, at least at times, in moments, and hopefully is present today. See if you can rekindle all the best of what is in you and is what is in the relationships you've created over the years. Look to make them better. So those are my New Year's wishes for you. So as you've thought about what I covered today, I have covered a lot of information about ideas about what emotional intelligence can do for you. And I encourage you to join with me for the virtual presentation sponsored by Harvard alumni that I'm helping to organize, which is a group of world leaders talking about emotional intelligence on January 11th. The time is 6 p.m. we actually start and 7 p.m. we have questions and answers. So we'll run from 6 p.m. on January 11th, Eastern time, by the way, from January 11th at 6 p.m. to 7 p.m., the panel will present information to you, and then we'll take your questions from 7 to 7.30. I look forward to greeting you there. All you have to do to get connected to that is go to my emotionroadmap.com webpage and click on upcoming events. 
and you'll find it at the bottom of the page, information about it and how to register for it. So I wanna leave you with that. And, and I, I have talked a little bit about showing you Emily and what Emily brings to the table with her wonderful story about how she benefited from what she learned, but I'll save that for another time. I would like to close with some thoughts about ways to be grateful and to show your appreciation. Lots of times people don't think they need to be appreciated, to be thanked for what they do for you in different ways. And maybe it's their job or maybe it's their responsibilities or it's their chores and it's expected. And so you don't think to thank them, but to let them know that you appreciate them or to share a kind word about how well they may have been, they may have done something for you because it's normal. They do it well all the time. And so you don't think it's necessary to give them an attaboy or an girl. Maybe it's time to make sure you don't forget to do that. Everybody appreciates being recognized, being called out for doing something right, for getting some attention. It's often that children will seek a parent's attention by doing something naughty because the parent hasn't paid much attention to them when they're doing something right. That's another thing that you might wanna work on, catching people doing something right regularly. Let people know when you appreciate them. You know, it's really often that if you say something about somebody's performance, it's a negative, isn't it? You've been pushed around maybe a few too many times and someone gets in front of you and maybe it's not about them and what they just did, but you've had it and you let them know how you felt about what they just did. But it seems out of proportion to what they might've done and yet felt right to you because you've bottled some things up and you just let it go on that particular person at that time. If you find yourself in a place where maybe you made a mistake, it's useful to consider what you might do to turn it around, even to ask for forgiveness, if that seems appropriate. Because when you've done something that's harmful to another person, especially when it's in front of others, and you've disrespected them or demeaned them somehow. It's hard to forgive that. You're sure not gonna forget it when it's happened to you, but you do appreciate when somebody makes the effort. So we all make mistakes. So let's be forgiving and let's be kind and let's be grateful. And let's do what we can to make 2021 a heck of a lot better than 2020. So as I start my 12th year with you, I remind you that the goal for the show is to help you to create inner peace by dealing more effectively, by understanding how emotions work, by being more aware of your own emotions, by paying attention to your impact on others, how others experience being with you, how they experience themselves when they're with you. Be more conscious of your impact on the people you care about, especially. Sometimes we let down. You know, when we go to work, we often experience being on guard, being really smart about how we behave, being really thoughtful about all those people that we need to get along with. And when we get home, we kind of let our hair down a little bit. We relax, we don't stay as focused on making sure people in the room with us at home are feeling okay about their interactions with us. 
And we think that's okay because those folks love us. But if we want to love them back, then be thoughtful at home too. It's not to say you have to keep your guard up, but just think about what they might need from you. So many of us are so consumed with everything that happens in our own world, in our own heads, in our own hearts, that we forget to think about the people we love and we care about and we cherish, we adore even. But do they know that from us in any regular way? Aren't there things we could do to make life better for them? So as we think about what we want for New Year's resolutions, maybe it's not just about you and about me, but it's about those we care about. And what are we gonna do different with them, for them, to help them, to support them, to demonstrate we care about them? You know, in this world of empathy and empathy's, interest in empathy is soaring too, right? Aren't you hearing empathy everywhere? Well, let me tell you what empathy is, as I see it anyway. Empathy operates on two different levels of competency. One is this idea that we know as psychologists, people in my professional field know how emotions work. There's a science to emotions. And we know how they work. And particularly those who do therapy or counseling of some kind, they know how to help people change their emotions. They understand it from an intellectual level. They understand it if they're artful as well as cognitively aware of emotions. They also understand how about how different people respond. In other words, what might motivate me may not motivate you, may not motivate your partner or your children. So be thoughtful about what you think is motivational, what you think is fairness, and try and see those kinds of concepts, not just through your own eyes, but through the eyes of others, especially, again, those that you care about. In fact, those that you need to care about too, if if it's at work as well. So think about that. Think about it hard. Be concerned with how you come across and how you deal with others in as positive a way as you can, again, to make 2021 a better year than any other year you might have experienced because you're better. You, you want to respond to this idealized version of who you really want to be. As you look back over a lifetime, you want to think, was I the person I set out to be? And since there's still time left for all of you listening, I still have time to be that person. Let's make it happen this year. Well, that's my show for the new year. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you learned a few things. I hope you paid attention to what Michael had to say and how he said it and how hopeful he felt at the very end. So many of you have dealt with such losses this year, whether it's loss of a loved one and so many more have lost their jobs or their companies and their businesses that they worked so hard to build. But all is not lost if you've got your health and you've got your knowledge and you've got your wisdom and you've got your experience and all of the things that you've learned over your lifetime. And you have this new vision of the best version of you to work with. I'm hoping you have a great year. Thanks for listening, everybody. You've been listening to WPKN 89.5 FM in Bridgeport, Connecticut. And it's listener-supported radio, supported by people like you. And if you happen to be watching me on YouTube, I suggest if you have access to the internet, you listen to WPKN Live. It's a great station.
Thanks for listening, everybody. And again, this is Chuck Wolf. You've been listening to the Emotion Roadmap. Take the wheel and control how you feel. And I'm on the first and second Wednesdays of each month from 12 to 1 p.m. Eastern time. Take care, and I'll see you the second week in January.